This week on The Reverse Stick, all eyes are on the Sentinel Homes Women's Hockey World League Final. And we talk to John Whiting, the Hockey New Zealand Media Manager. And, well, we tried to stay away, but... Greetings. You're listening to The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. My name's John Lee. And joining me every week, Matt Allen. How are you, Matt? Oh, I'm good, John. Great to be here once again. And uh, good day to all the listeners out there. Thanks for joining us once again. It's a little bit on the warm side here down in uh, Perth in Australia at the moment. But uh, I'm sure we'll be able to work hard and get through the podcast this uh, week. Summer is a glorious thing, though. How are you doing? Oh, I'm not too bad. Um a little bit frustrated across the weekend, but I'm generally doing fine. Yes, I, I shared a few of those frustrations, but uh, we'll talk about that, about that a little bit later on. Shall we uh, get straight into the news? Uh, yes, well, I think we should, but I've just got to fiddle around <laughs> with my little buttons and switches here and make sure that we get... This is the problem when it's all uh, ad-libbed, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes we don't get everything right as well. My apologies last week. You only really picked up on my mistake talking about 2020 hockey. And of course, cricket <laughs> that I was talking about. I thought John was going to be kind and edit, edit that did out. Did I miss but, it, did uh, I? He missed it. Just oh. to ridicule me to <laughs> all of you out there. But hey, there's nothing new. <laughs> News. Okay, where do we start this week? Well, we've uh, got a, a, a few games and test matches have happened around and about. We've seen yeah. the end of the uh, International Festival of Hockey in Melbourne well, and Victoria. Well, technically what we had was test matches in Bendigo between the Ast- Australian men and New, uh, Zealand. New Zealand and the Australian women played test matches against the US. the US. And then there was a Four Nations tournament on the weekend in Melbourne and all of those events combined were was the International Festival of Hockey. So the Four Nations involving Australia and New Zealand, Japan and... Uh, we've got it written down here. I can't pa- no, Pakistan. That's oh, the in the main, sorry. Yeah. yeah, the women was uh, the Netherlands, Japan, Australia and the US. So they played a little... Fourteen round robin with the uh, the finals on Sunday. Five, well, four players getters. Um, the gold medal match: Australia versus New Zealand in the men's. That was one two one by the Australians. They didn't drop uh, a game in the the round robin series. The Australians leading one goal in every game. How how long have we been calling little tournaments like this with you know, no major significance? Medal games, gold medal games. Oh, we got the bronze out of a four team. Tournament, uh, which had got no real bearing apart from being a warm-up for some of those sides for, for later tournaments. You know what? Tradition starts somewhere, Matt. Yeah, well, this, this is it. No, you know, an Olympic gold or a Commonwealth yeah. Games or uh, uh, whatever else the equivalent might be around the world um, has some meaning. That's the pinnacle of, of that sport, isn't it? But... Uh, a gold medal at the International Festival of Hockey. Well, I guess that's just one, oh, one well, of the least of my concerns. <laughs> yeah, well, well, well done to the players. I mean, you know, it's good for the players and stuff, and they feel like they're, you know, that it would be easy to motivate yourself if you know there's something. If you're just turning up and you're playing four games and then you'd go home, at least you get to stand around and, well, no, and drink out of a big cup. We were the winner of the International yeah, Festival we of Hockey. Oh, look, and you know my my uh, feelings on playing meaningless international games of hockey, but yeah. uh, you know, it's what it is. Be interesting to know because I don't re- I don't re- recall this always being the case. No, that's true. So, that's but, true. But we've also got a lot more. In inverted commas, competition going on. So have, have I stopped just going yes, through the news yes. here? Yeah, you have. <laughs> All this opinion. Sorry. Um, in the bronze medal game, bronze medal, 
Yeah. You've got a bronze medal for playing at the International Festival of Hockey there. Um, oh, sorry, our mascot's just uh, busy scratching at the door at the moment, so I'll go through these results while Matt lets her out and hope that she doesn't rip up my shoes. Okay. Japan played Pakistan in the bronze medal game, and that, that score, 2-1, same as the final. Um, I'm not sure what you can read about that. Uh, it was warm-up games for Australia. They're going to the Men's World League final. Um, the other teams won't be there. But it's good that they got out and played some international hockey and people went along and enjoyed it. Uh, the women's, uh, the Netherlands beat Japan in the gold medal game, 5-0, and Australia uh, won the bronze medal over the US and the same score, 5-0. So both uh, round robins ending up with finals with the same score. Yeah, it was, it was an interesting tournament in the respect Netherlands performed exceptionally well and did what you'd expect them to do. They they tore apart the opposition, let's, let's be yeah. frank. Um, I think the US would be pretty upset about their finishing fourth in the tournament, not just that, the results against the likes of Australia and Japan. Remember, Australia aren't going to the Hockey World League finals for women. They're leaking um, too many goals. But, but, but the US are. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about the tournament coming up, but uh, there could be some struggles for the US there. Yeah. And we will be talking more about that soon because our feature interview is with John Whiting, who's the media manager at Hockey New Zealand, and he's there and he's going to let us know a little bit about the tournament, the Hockey World League Finals for Women tournament, that be. Uh, you mentioned some test matches. Germany and Great Britain are playing some test matches on the men's side of the game. Uh, they've played two games already in Mannheim. Uh, they've got another game coming up uh, tomorrow, which is Thursday, which lets you know that we're recording this program on the Wednesday. But... Needless, uh, Germany in the first game got over, uh, sorry, Great Britain got over the Germans 5-3 in the first game and then the, uh, a three-all draw. I think it was the other way. I think Germans beat GB. Oh, sorry, in yes, the first yeah, one. they did. Sorry. Yeah, but look, goals yeah, galore. Yeah, a few goals there, so that was good for everybody involved and I'm sure it was a fairly high-class game of hockey. Yeah, well, and ho- ho- hockey world league final warm-ups for those teams, so it's important yes. that they're playing against the highest possible level of competition. Now, you mentioned uh, coming off the back of our discussion about the International Festival of Hockey, Australia and Japan are about to start um, three test series, which will be getting underway, it might already be underway today already as, while we're recording, but they're playing three tests, 15th, 16th and 18th in Adelaide, which really don't mean anything in the greater context, but I'm sure there's some sort of ranking points involved with those games because they are official tests. Yeah, there'll be, there'll be a few points on there, nothing significant, I don't think. But what's, both of those teams aren't involved in the Hockey World League finals in um, in Auckland, and at times like this, uh, it gives an opportunity for Australia to set up some, some games in some of the, the cities that perhaps don't always get international hockey. So I think it's eight, ten years since the hockey roos have last played in Adelaide. What I find interesting is they, they probably booked that weekend away. They'd probably booked and been forward planning with the idea that they would be in the Hockey World League finals. Yeah. And suddenly they've come up with this little gap in their schedule. Oh, you know what we can do? Bang. Because yeah. we're going to have the girls together. We've planned for this. So, so that's it. And likewise for, for Japan, Japan. They're, yeah, yeah. they're over here anyway. That's ta- right. Ta- take it on to the end. Um, also a little bit of indoor hockey happening in Africa. Um, South Africa are taking in on Zimbabwe in some indoor games, 17th to 19th there in Durban. Um, and there's five games going that's, on there. That's so a women's a women's tournament. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what's their name again? I can't even pronounce it properly. Blitz. Blitzstocks. Blitzstocks, that's it. There you go. I'm that's glad he didn't try and do an accent with that one. Sound like a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> well, the high Sorry, end. Sorry, very high end. A very high end shoe, yes. Um, 
that's about it as far as things that have happened in the major world of hockey. There's been plenty of club hockey going on around Europe and etc. Yeah, I saw some absolute crackers on Saturday. Two games in particular. Um, I watched the men's um, Spanish league game between Athletic Terrassa and Club Agara. Boy, oh boy, it ended up 3-3 three, three, um, with an equaliser in the last sort of 20 seconds from Agara um, after they, they were 1-0 up at one stage and then conceded a goal 20 seconds either side of the quarter-time break to be 2-1 down. And it was an absolute end-to-end stuff. Um, you saw the passion of club hockey being played and the passion from the crowd. It was good to hear the jeers and, and uh, different <laughs> things happening <laughs> out of the crowd. And I watched it all with the Spanish commentary. Um I know probably about four words in, in Spanish and one of those involves uh, how to order a beer um, and it, it didn't you know detract from me enjoying the game at all I, in fact I loved it their enthusiasm that they, they really really got into it and um, it, you know if you had to sort of turn ahead away turn your head away to, to do something else they'd certainly let you, let you know when you needed to, to look back at the screen again end to end stuff fantastic how many uh, times did the commentator go goal <laughs> well Six times it was a three-three draw, <laughs> John. Uh, basic mathematics there. I, I then watched the uh, uh, Beeston uh, against East Grinstead game from the Investec Premier um, in the UK. Uh, that was a big win for Beeston, although the game didn't really go that way. It was, it was just Beeston put their chances away. Um, they were, yeah, very effective uh, in the D. Uh, it was good to see a lad who uh, who we know who played over here in Oz last year, Rob Cope, playing for East Grinstead. So good on you, Rob. And, uh, yeah, super stuff. So I really, you know, just a bit of club hockey there, but two fantastic games that were being broadcast to the world for free and uh, well worth watching. So, you know, keep an eye on our, our Twitter and uh, Facebook feeds, particularly on the weekend when there's games going on. And if there's those opportunities to watch some of those high-quality club games, then then we're posting out uh, those leads. Get uh, in on Twitter, forward slash the reverse, uh, uh, the, the reverse stick. Facebook forward slash we, the reverse stick. We said this way we weren't going to tell you anything about broadcasting <laughs> and leave it all alone. <laughs> I saw something interesting turn up through my Facebook feed the other day and it was a uh, a white paper, a discussion paper put out by... Um, Watch a, Hockey. Af- Watch yeah, Hockey. Dot ZA. Dot ZA. So African Hockey website. And it was a survey they'd done about... Sorry, dot co. Dot, dot ZA. Okay. It'll get... So watch hockey one word dot co dot za. Uh, anyway, they'd done a survey about what people predominantly, I imagine almost exclusively in some ways, um, thought of club hockey and what could be improved in South Africa. And it struck me that there was. It's interesting because South Africa is uh, very much uh, a case study in the sense of its isolation and issues the country faces. And and it's a uh, without using the the word in a perjudicative way, um, naive hockey community. It's it's not a very strong one yet. It's working really hard towards being it. And I think that comes across in the report when it talks about um, games being cancelled. Uh, one of the one of the talking points that comes out is that um, you know hockey authorities, when you say you're going to have a game, actually have that game and teams shouldn't be allowed to cancel at the last minute, etc. And that's obviously a problem I've never seen happen in Australia. I've seen games cancelled because teams at the last minute you know, have problems and can't field 11 players, but not as a something that's endemic within the, the hockey system. Yeah, well, I don't know if that's certainly in 
in every province uh, or every region there I think it seems to be that there may be some worse than others and I'm sure that uh, yeah, you know some of the provincial associations may take umbrage to us you know, having that blanket opinion across the whole of South African yeah. hockey and, and I must say before we say anything about what we've anything more about <laughs> what we've read is that um, it's very specifically about South African hockey and the, the challenges they face are completely different than the challenges we face and they're going to have different answers sometimes to the same questions that we ask about yeah, well, our hockey as, as we discussed last week with Calvin they've got a unique uh, problem to solve there and they're going about it with some in some innovative ways um, it's interesting to see how this report's come out just after um, the draft and the launch and um, everything going on around the PHL and where the PHL may already have answered some of these questions within, within the document. Oh, absolutely. I think so, yeah. And a lot of it's about demographics. But one, um, one thing that caught me was about paying to see hockey games because uh, I know in Europe you pay to go and see club games, don't you? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, you know no. Oh well, we've got to have our own survey. Then. No, no, no. I don't. I don't know what the setup is in, um, you know, for example, in Holland where they they may have four, five, six thousand people um, watching a club game. I'm not sure if that's paid entry or that's that's members that who as part of their club membership gain gain entry to the the stadium. It looks like I mean, we've got some research to do. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a fairly. I think you know, we're, in the countries where the the crowds are big for the club hockey games, it seems to me that. The people organise the involved or involved within the sport aren't necessarily short of a few bob. Uh, so if you look at perhaps the Netherlands, you look at Germany, probably the two uh, strongest club competitions um, for local clubs worldwide. The demographic of people that are involved with those clubs is, well, let's say, the socio uh, demographic. Is that the right wording with it? But the, you know, yeah, your yeah. sort of your, your B's and your A's and you know your upper C's. Within the Fancy th- an Englishman not being able to talk about class. <laughs> <laughs> what, what? Englishman, rude bastard. I've had an Australian <laughs> passport for seven or eight years. Uh, no, moving on. You make some good points here. We will try and find out more because it's an interesting question. Now, in the survey, uh, 70.2% of respondents indicate they would be willing to pay to watch club games. And the average price they were willing to pay was 25.8 rand. Now, you know, that doesn't mean much to me in my currency, so I did some quick currency conversions, and that's about $2.35 Australian. Now, I can remember having to watch, to pay to watch club games here in Perth at the hockey stadium some time ago. I don't think you've had to pay for a few seasons now. But no, it was they, around, a, they it put was around the, about they, that mark. They put it? the cost from the gate fee onto the individual teams that are playing, so there's a, a double whack on what the association receives for, for teams that are playing on there. So essentially, as the players pay so that we as their fellow club members can come along and yeah. watch the game. Yeah. Is that forked to the club or forked to the players? To the players. That's, so, so you pay you pay your your annual registration fee, your subscription yeah. fee. Um, if you're on, if you're a turf player as opposed to a grass player, you, you, pay, high, you pay a higher level yeah. um, because obviously there's extra training and all that sort of stuff that you benefit from it. Um, but there's also a higher association fee for for those turf teams than there is for for grass teams. And then on the day, um, there's also it varies between a uh, ninety and a hundred and five dollar fee for the team. Um, to fork out on the day, and that's apart from what the club's already paying for for the half of the turf for the game time. 
getting more back into this price, okay, so essentially South Africans are saying they're willing to pay a couple of bucks to go and watch a game of hockey, yeah. a club, club hockey, which is about what we were trying to do and what we found was that it was actually turning people away. Even though it was a small impost, people weren't happy to pay it, which was is quite surprising because it is a fairly small impost. Now, using some basic um, Coke and Mars bar economics, you know, in, in South Africa... Uh, a can of Coke costs you around 10 Rand, which is about 90 cents. Now, that's a very basic calculation of it. It might be a little bit more, a little bit less. And a Mars bar costs you about 80 cents. Now, in here in Perth, in Australia, a can of Coke, you might pick up on special in a block of 15 or 20 for a dollar a can, but you're not going to buy a can of Coke for um, a dollar out of a deli. That's going to be $2 or 50 or three dollars or something like yeah. that. But it's interesting that that's that's what we were prepared to pay for a Mars bar and a can of Coke, a, a couple of bucks. But we have some problem about spending the same amount of money to go and watch a game of hockey. Well, yeah, I guess you've got to distinguish the level of the game you're watching, what you're getting for that money, how how many games you're going to get to see. Is it you know just for a one-off stadium entry? Is it to watch a game? Is there you know it's certainly not going to be costing you two bucks to um, go and watch Hockey World League at the moment. It won't be costing you two bucks to It'll cost you nothing to go and watch Premier Hockey League in South Africa, which would be good. Um, but it's yeah, it's you'll be paying considerably, yeah. considerably more. I think International Festival of Hockey was oh, 25, 30 bucks for the day, um, and then you've got the four games or whatever in in the day um, for that ticket price. I heard they 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 were a little bit quiet on the um, the weekday games. Um, hopefully it filled out a bit at the weekend for them. But it's it's something hockey, you know, if we're going to have these pro leagues, if we're going to have professional players and professional leagues for players, it's something that the hockey public's going to have to come to terms with. Oh, just is even paying the, more for games. Yeah, but even the, the, re, the realistic situation is that $2, $5 is only just going to be going in to take care of your, your turf maintenance costs. Yeah. You know, they're not cheap things and, and geez, you know, dependent on the use, but you're looking to replace it for four or five years for busy turfs and yeah. it's a lot of bloody money. And that's why you need 6,000 people turning up to your games and a very big bar. <laughs> Can you imagine if 6,000 people turned up to watch a game at our our club? I mean, I know we couldn't cater for that many, but what would the bar turnover be on that many numbers? Well, hockey players don't drink much, do they? <laughs> Keep most clubs afloat, I thought. You are listening to the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast, and it's time now for our feature interview. And this week, we're off to New Zealand. The Hockey World League finals for women are about to get underway, and we're going to be talking to John Whiting, the media manager from Hockey New Zealand, about the tournament and uh, some of the background story to how they managed to pick up this tournament as well and the organisation that goes in behind it. So welcome to the Reverse Stick, John Whiting. Welcome, John. Good afternoon to you guys, or well, good morning over there, I suppose. <laughs> yes, it's a 24-hour clock in the hockey world. That's right. Yeah, you guys must be uh, very excited and very busy. We're just a couple of days away from the Hockey World League finals. Yeah, that's right. A, a nice little mixture of both, I guess it would be fair to say. Obviously, a lot of a lot of excitement for us both as an organisation and, and and for the sport really around the country. But also, like you say, plenty still to do uh, with the event kicking off uh, very very soon. So, what's the interest like at the moment at home? Is there a, a lot of uh, coverage coming through from the media over there? Yeah, we're starting to see some really good pickup this week. So we've had. 
uh, NEFIH Media Day this week where we had all our major media out and we've seen stories on TV each night of the week uh, so far, which has been great and something that we're not really used to here in New Zealand. Uh, our, our, our Vantage Black Sticks uh, men and women do play a lot of games uh, and it's, it is sometimes a challenge, especially when they're overseas or in Europe and, and, and playing in strange time zones to get that on TV in particular. Uh, is, is a bit of a challenge. So to have it on our back doorstep has really helped, and it's really good to see the general public and the media uh, jumping on board and, and really getting into it. So you mentioned the general public there. Uh, ticket sales going well? Ticket sales are going well. And classic uh, Auckland, we, we always have a uh, challenge with the weather. It can be raining one minute and, and sunny the next. So there is that little hurdle to get over. But with uh, we are tracking very well with sales, and especially that opening weekend. Uh, we uh, we against the Dutch on the Friday night, so uh, that will be a cracker, uh, and we're hoping to, to basically sell that opening weekend out and, and really create sort of a fortress for our team uh, in particular, but also a great event for anyone travelling and, and watching their teams in action as well. John, have you got many visitors coming to New Zealand for the hockey? Has there been uh, much of an international turnout, I suppose? Yeah, it's been actually really interesting watching as the, the ticket sales track along. We get a report sort of every day which breaks down the, the number of ticket sales and where those are coming from. And we've certainly got visitors coming from every participating nation and more. I think we've got a, a reputation from about 15 or 16 different countries travelling over for the event. So that that's fantastic. And I guess it just shows uh, the, the scale of the event and what it means to, to uh, all of those hockey uh, nations and in particular the ones competing so really really looking forward to that Do you have any international media trooping across that are only making a trip? Yeah I think we've got around 30 to 40 media in total, uh, a lot of those are locals but we do have a lot of uh, international photographers in particular coming over and we've got uh, some Dutch reporters, Argentinian reporters uh, and English as well so that is really nice uh, we'll add a, a little Kiwi welcome for them and a a special element. We uh, understand it's a long way for them to come and they're probably not used to such a, a long sort of travel. We welcomed the team from FIH earlier this weekend. Uh, it, was a, it was a long flight for them, I think, uh, you know, used to travelling around Europe more so than anything. So we, uh, we are used to that, obviously, being from down in New Zealand and, 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 and you guys over in Australia are used to that sort of long-haul travel. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll try and give them a warm welcome when they do arrive. Now, John, you, you mentioned the, the distance there. Look, um, you know, I'm sure New Zealanders understand the term tyranny of distance as much as Australians do. But uh, how, how hard was it for you to convince the powers that be to bring the tournament to New Zealand? Or was it an opportunity they jumped at? Well, we did go through a long, uh, a long process of bidding for the event, and that included a wide variety of things really um, you know how it stacked up commercially uh, what our following was as a sport how we were tracking high performance wise um, a, a whole a whole lot of things also uh, the the broadcast and bringing on a partner locally to support an event was a big part of it so we did go through a long process there uh, we're shortlisted um, and then after that we're successful in the event and we're talking really sort of five years ago now wow. uh, so it, 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 I think the powers that be, as you say, over in, in, in head office were, were keen to bring a bit of Kiwi flavour to, to the sport and it really 
is really nice to see that they are supportive of that. You know, you, we've got such a, a great sort of uh, product, especially in Europe and, and around those sort of areas too. But to be able to bring it to the other side of the world is fantastic, and we're really grateful of their support as well. And uh, on, on New Zealand as, as a whole, I mean, you guys have a really rich sporting history. I mean, no one, you punch way above your weight on a world scale. You know, how, where is the, what is the place of hockey in New Zealand? Yeah, certainly hockey's uh, probably not the top, in the top two or three sports. You've got, you're always competing with the likes of the All Blacks who are, who are almost sort of untouchable here. So uh, what, what, honest, what sport do they play, John? <laughs> we, we, won't, we, won't, we don't need a touch on that for you guys if you don't want to. <laughs> um, so we, we're certainly uh, down the picking order. I'd say we're probably in that in that range of fifth to tenth in terms of uh, popularity and, and the fan aspect. But certainly in terms of player numbers and in the junior sort of ages, we are we are well up there. Uh, and that's a real credit to the sport and, and the cha- some of the changes that FIH have made at the international level, making it appealing uh, to all age ranges. And we, we play, uh, we offer hockey uh, at a club and association level here in New Zealand, really from you know the age of five right through to whenever. You know, we've, we've got a big Masters following as well, so you're talking over the over 35s, and we've got teams competing you know, right through to 75. Wow. Uh, so it does have a, a really great following uh, within the sporting community. We're just trying to really elevate that in terms of probably the fan and event offering, which this is uh, probably the first stepping point really in, in our evolution in that space. So what kind of things can we expect to see going on around the tournament? You've just you've mentioned the word event now, and obviously event does, doesn't just mean the games that are on the field. So what else have you got going on around? Yeah, good, a really interesting question, and, and probably our fans or our hockey fans who traditionally come out and, and watch our, our teams in action are, are used to standing around a fence. Uh, you might get a, a marquee with a bit of corporate hospitality in it, and that's really it. So this is, is really a huge step up for us. So we've got you know, a, a massive big screen. We've got seating for around three to 4,000 around the stadium, plus additional uh, standing space. We've got a huge corporate hospitality area, which is fully enclosed. Um, we've got a full spectator village with uh, entertainment on stages, big screens. I think we've got about 25 uh, outlet shops. Um, we've got full catering. So in terms of an event experience, and, and being that our games are sort of in that evening time slot, it's a real uh, event, I suppose you would call it, for all ages. You know, bring the family along, have a, have a feed. Uh, and watch some top-level hockey. So we're really looking forward, I guess, to how that is perceived in New Zealand, and we, we haven't really had anything like that here before other than, you know, potentially the, the Men's Champions Trophy in, in 2011, which is, you know, six years ago now. So in terms of people remembering back to then, um, you know, memories can be short, and we're, we're looking to bring on a whole new fan base, really. I'm looking forward to that. John, are you seeing um, some of perhaps the expat communities of the different nations starting to come out? Yeah, absolutely we are. Um, and you know, particularly the Argentinians, uh, they're, they're very passionate, as you all well know, in a lot of sports, but in particular hockey. So we've been, uh, it's been really great to have them come and say, you know, we want to sit uh, together in a stand. We want to be able to share on our team. They're, they're fanatics. 
So that's awesome. And uh, we've got the same with the English as well. And, you know, the, probably some of the other um, participating countries are a bit a bit more sparse and hard to, to tap into. Like the Dutch, there's probably not too many of them here, but I'm sure they will all find each other and, and band together when that time comes. So is that something where you've you've reached out to those communities? Yeah, that's right. We have. We've done um, some good work, I, I guess, in the community space and, and trying to tap into some of those networks and make sure they get their tickets to, to watch their teams in action, which they would have never really had a chance to do here in New Zealand before. Now, I've been watching the sort of the build-up over the past couple of weeks, like you say, with the changes to the stadium, and, and I've also seen mm-hmm. plenty of photographs of the, the bus stops that you've got branded around and about in, in Auckland, which I think yep. look absolutely sensational. Um, what other things have you, are you doing to, to drive awareness? Uh, we're doing a lot through social media, actually. So we've engaged a company to help us uh, drive ticket sales, really, through through ads. So what we've found is, um, you know, being being a sport that doesn't have millions and millions of dollars to throw around for uh, billboards on the side of buildings and things like that, we we probably need need to be a bit smarter about how we've approached it. And I think we've done it really well. So. Through that, we've been able to sort of target, you know, users who have been to, to our website or have played in specific programs here in New Zealand and, and really targeted those people that way. And then the next part is just being able to reach out to those sort of generalist sports fans. And uh, fair to say the media have uh, have done a great job for us there and actually uh, covering the sport and, and, and giving exposure to, I guess, what would potentially be harder to find and you know if you're a hockey fan you'd, you'd have to look for it rather than uh, it coming to you uh, on your 6pm news so we, we've done pretty well and obviously still still a lot more work to go and we want to basically sell out every day so we're still working hard on that so You've got a, a headline sponsor for the tournament uh, Sentinel Homes can you tell us a little bit about how they've become involved and, and what they're all about? Yeah sure Sentinel Homes are are an Auckland-based um, home building company. Um, they're award winners, uh, probably probably a foremost in their industry, and it's been really great to see them jump on board. So we have been talking to them, you know, for for a couple of months, really, just around and around hockey in general. And the opportunity came up to to be a naming rights partner for this event, um, and they they loved it. They jumped on board. Um, and our, I guess, I guess the main idea around it was just that the values of hockey and hockey in New Zealand really aligned to their company. Um, and it's really great to see, uh, we brought on board a naming rights partner Vantage, uh, earlier this year for our, for our Black Sticks teams. So, um, it's great to see companies looking at hockey now, uh, in a, in a really serious way and saying, well, you know these these guys are, are doing an amazing job on the world stage, and you know the 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 values that they bring out on the turf and away from the turf, their role models, they they really are people to look up to, um, and to for them to want to be involved is fantastic. So we're extremely grateful to Sentinel Homes and all of our sponsors as well. Yeah, I I can't imagine John that Sentinel think they're going to be building a lot of homes in Delhi or. Buenos Aires in the near future, so it, it must be a real coup to get a local that's prepared to support the, ga- support the game in a case like this. Yeah, it's fantastic, and I guess it's you know it's great to have a local 
um, more so than anything because they they really have that connection to us. You know, we're in contact with them every day, and they're they're joining us really in a journey more so than anything. They're you know they're really excited when they see an extra stand pop up or they see you know their their um their branding come up on on some side fencing, and it's really great to actually have that face-to-face contact and and we're really hoping that we can kind of stay with the likes of Sentinel Homes going forward and and that they want to stay on that hockey journey with us. Uh, We've got some big plans sort of in our uh, strategy towards 2020 and beyond and and we really want to stay uh, really engaged with with partners like them who, who love what we do and we love what they do in return as well. Well, you've mentioned Sentinel there. You also mentioned Vantage as well. Um, I've, mm. I've spoken to John recently about Ford um, sponsoring your yes. NHL competition. So there's obviously some, some really good work being done by you guys uh, within Hockey New Zealand. And, and it's great to see that, like you say, some local partners getting on board and see some value in, in supporting hockey because it doesn't happen all over the world. Yeah, that's true, and, I, and I've got to give credit really to to our teams, uh, our high performance teams in particular, and also our community teams. It does make it uh, a lot easier to sell when you do have uh, that quality of, um, I guess, human being really. So we've got some some great programs. Obviously, the Vantage Black Six men, coached by Darren Smith, and the women, coached by Mark Hager. They've really developed a, a culture where you know our players are accessible. You know. They being in that they play at sort of venues where other clubs have access to them. They're you know, they're talking, they're signing autographs, they're you know, chatting to the kids about how they can um, how they can get better at little skills and, and, and tricks and tips. So you know that they, they really have become role models, and and that's great to see the evolution of hockey in New Zealand as we sort of come further towards this professional era. And um, to see, and they're very humble because they're still. Uh, a lot of our players are still working full time, so um, you know they will train sort of 5 a.m. in the morning and then 8 p.m. at night in some instances. So they work bloody hard to get where they are, and I think that really reflects um, at the other end in terms of what they want to give back as well. Because so many people are supporting them to get to where they are, they they really want to give back, and that makes it um, a much easier sort of um, buying. They know that they're um, being part of something special. So just set the scene for us now. We're a couple of days out at the stadium. I guess we've got some of the teams are there and they're training already. Yeah, we've got all of our teams uh, have arrived now, so they're all here and they've you know they've got their training slots each day, um, and we've had a few practice games. Uh, so each team each team are playing a few of those practice games, non-official tests. Uh, against teams not in their pool, um, so that's been good to see. I guess the the jet lag and rust shake off a few of those teams as well. It's a pity you couldn't have held up some of them at customs a little bit longer. <laughs> you can try and get every advantage. <laughs> that's you can. right. Yeah, that's right. Well, obviously we had the Dutch and USA playing uh, in Australia over the last week, so they've had. Uh, a lot of match prep as well over there, so they'll, they'll be coming and firing, I'm sure. Yeah, and the Dutch are looking scarily good at the moment, aren't they? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> when you talk about uh, hockey in New Zealand, what what sort of um, competition do you rate? Is it is sort of regionalised? Do you find that there's pockets of hockey, or is it something that's spread pretty much evenly across the country? 
Yeah, we're, we're an interesting one. So we are very well spread across the country. Our biggest playing base is probably in that Auckland, North Harbour, um, sort of central North Island area. Uh, but we are spread right across the country in, in all age groups. Um, and the way that it runs here is really on a, on a, on a club and what we call association basis. So, uh, the venue that we're at here is, uh, North Harbour, uh, Hockey Stadium and they run club competitions from premier level, uh, masters, junior grades, school programs. Um, so they really are the deliverers of our sport and they do a really, really good job of that, as do all of our associations around the country. We've actually got 32 of them. Um, so there's a, a, a lot of uh, a lot of people to deal with, but they do a very good job. And then in above that, we have eight regions, and really our eight regions are from a high performance perspective. So they compete at the likes of our Ford National Hockey League and our Vantage Under 21s and Under 18s tournaments. Um, really a way for uh, a conglomerate, I suppose, of all players from a variety of associations to come together and and compete as a team. Um, but yeah, those the clubs and associations really do drive the delivery of our sport in New Zealand, and, and as I said, they do an extremely good job of it. So we uh, we are very supportive of them, and they are very supportive of us, which is a great space to be in, I think. You just mentioned the National Hockey, the Ford National Hockey League there, and we appreciate the streaming um, of the finals that happened, and that yeah. that went out went out to the globe. And boy, oh boy, what a final in the men's, eh? It wasn't bad, was it? It oh, was a, edge a fantastic of the seat. way to finish the tournament. Yeah, absolute edge of the seat stuff, and uh, yeah, you just didn't know which way it was going to go, and uh, and then there was uh, a bit of dom- dominance towards the end there. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it was a fantastic game, and the North Harbour guys obviously uh, are still boasting about it, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. So um, we yeah, we see them every day, and it's still sort of top of the mind here, and. And that's really great to see, and, and that it actually means something really special to them to to achieve uh, at that tournament. It's it's awesome. Yeah, you could see the passion was really obvious to see there with them, and yeah, it was a uh, yeah, super super yeah, tournament. That, yeah, absolutely. And obviously, a lot of those teams had you know current uh, and former uh, Vantage Black Sticks playing for them. So the the passion is is real, and uh, and especially the North Harbour versus Auckland rivalry. Uh, you, you don't get too much better than that here in New Zealand. So, so the Auckland uh, the Auckland team went away a little bit sour after that one, and then I guess you say North Harbour have bragging rights, um, and they also won uh, our Ramish Patel Shield uh, for for this year, which is really um, a combination of all our high performance tournaments based on a, a points system. So they are our our best performing region as well. So they've got that to their name as well. The uh, the trophy cabinet um, is looking is looking pretty full for them this year. When you're holding in a tournament like this, there's a lot of preparation work goes into it. You concentrate on getting the event up and running, and everybody's busy. But when once the event's finished, what sort of legacy do you see this is leaving hockey in New Zealand? Yeah, I think this event will leave a huge legacy for us. Um, mostly in terms of getting that exposure really in the faces uh, of everyone. Um, you know, you talk about the, we talked about the huge media coverage already, which will get even greater during the event. And just, I think for people to be able to see that this really is um, not even next level up, but next, next level up in terms of that event experience and offering, um, they've never kind of seen hockey like this in New Zealand before, and we're hoping that it will really, really drive a, fa- a greater fan following um, within hockey and also 
trying our best um, to bring in you know the, the kids and and those people who are coming through you know they might be trying other sports that we want them to choose hockey um, and and for all of these reasons so this will be a showcase of not only the sport but also a showcase of hockey in New Zealand uh, and we're running a small six program uh, which is our our in schools program we're running a little competition alongside the tournament over on the third turf which is behind the the main spectator um, turf which will bring in you know schools from around Auckland um, to be to be part of the event so there is a really nice level of engaging with all these different segments who are already involved in our community and we're hoping you know that the likes of those kids go and tell their friends oh this is something that you've got to be part of so we're hoping you know not only to build that fan following but also really boost um, the player numbers in New Zealand you know over the next few years and um, and this is the first step really as we move into uh, pro league in, in 2019 so who have you got on board for your your broadcast uh, sponsor mm. there Yep, so our, um, our broadcast partner is Sky Television in New Zealand. So they will, they've already put a lot of planning and preparation in place, uh, for the event. They've put in a, a really great commentary team. So, um, just recently retired Jimmy McCaw is, uh, is on the fronting panel for that, along with Katie Glynn, another, another former black sick. And then, um, on league commentary, we've got the likes of Ricky Swinnell, who's quite a well-known, um, media, media personality I suppose you'd call it in New Zealand uh, and Sandy Hitchcock so uh, it's really an all female commentary team which is which is probably a first for us sport wise uh, in New Zealand and for Sky Sports so we're really proud of that and um, and we're sure they'll do a really good job of, of bringing hockey to life uh, and really portraying what we've got in, in place on the ground here to everyone in New Zealand and worldwide John, there's uh, obviously it's not just the players involved. You've got coaches, doctors, you've got all the technical officials from the FIH. Uh, how are you uh, accommodating all of these people? Is there anybody <laughs> being billeted, or is everybody, you know, separate resorts they're perhaps staying at? Yeah, there's a few different ones. So the main uh, event hotel for us is the Spencer and Byron, which is a nice uh, high sort of apartment and, and hotel facility in Takapuna which is probably about a 10 to 15 minute drive from the venue here. Um, And we've also got a couple of other hotels for for media and other teams and officials over the Harbour Bridge closer towards Auckland City. So there are a couple around, but yeah, I don't think anyone's uh, quite to the extent of being billeted or camping out in a tent. Uh, I think everyone should should have a nice roof over their head. So some of the teams staying together, are they? Yeah, they are. I think we've got four teams at the Spencer and Byron, including the New Zealand team, and then the other four are, are out uh, over the Harbour Bridge, um, probably about a half-hour drive from the from the venue, so n- not too far away, but they are in a nice hotel. Now, how about the cost associated that with that? Because we often... I think it's something that slips the general public's mind. When you're throwing on events like that, it's, yeah. it's not just having the teams come there and fly there. You've got to house them, you've got to feed them. Yeah, that's right. The the uh, you know the cost uh, when you first look at it on paper is uh, a little bit scary, really. Um, <laughs> when you, when you first look at the budgets, you go, wow, this is uh, this is an astronomical number. But as you as you move along and you you know you bring on some great commercial partners um, and you you know your ticket and gate sales and all of those things 
um, that add up to, to make an event viable. Um, so there is a, a lot of work that goes into making sure you, you know, you don't come away at the end of the day making a huge loss. Um, so we've had a lot of people supporting us in, in making that work and, um, and you know, being a, a typical Kiwi event, we've, um, you know, we've, we've found some great ways to be resourceful about uh, a few things while whilst also putting on, you know, a world-class event. So I think, you know, fans in New Zealand at the ground will will really be taken aback. You know, it's been great to see the players come in, and in, in particular the New Zealand ones, and say, "Wow, this is, you know, this is looking amazing," and they can't quite believe that that we're at where we are now. So that's fantastic to see. But you know, it, it, it probably uh, I try and stay away from the accounts, to be honest. With you. <laughs> <laughs> John, how do you do it, in New Zealand? Honestly, you guys, you've got a, a rugby team that's been the best in the world for 30 <laughs> years. You you produce continue to produce world-class cricketers, world-class netballers. Are you a good chance of winning the Rugby League World Cup in a couple of weeks' time? I mean, yeah. how do you guys fit all this sporting? Yeah, great question. I think, um, I think you know, for us, and, you know, I, I speak from my personal experience, I think we really, really benefit from, you know, the, the community coaches or, you know, the, the teachers in schools who, who really jump on board and support certain sports. I know the, the school I went to uh, here in Auckland, Rosemary College, was a, a huge rugby school, and, and we won the championship, um, you know, multiple times while I was there. But really, you, you take in someone who's, you know, a former player from a high level or someone who's a great coach and they, they come in and they really embrace that and, and drive it through and I think you see that across a lot of sports here in New Zealand. Obviously rugby sort of sort of dominates the landscape in terms of, you know, putting coaching or programs in place um, at those lower age groups. But certainly other there are a lot of other sports and, you know, some that you, you wouldn't even think of that are coming through School programs and, and up through the grades, you know, the likes of lacrosse. I know that's, you know, that's developing on the North Shore here in Auckland as well. And it really does take, I guess, a, a group of personalities who are skilled in that area um, to bring it through. And then, you know, when you get past the secondary school level, it's it's bringing them into your high performance programs and and bringing them through that way. So I think really, yeah, really, it probably is helpful that we. In terms of a landmass, you know, you compare it to Australia, we're fairly compact. So a, sh- a, a lot of shared resources, I suppose, going on. Um, and, a, yeah, really, really great sort of community and club uh, level engagement, I suppose, really helps for us. Well, it just sounds sounds fantastic, and it seems like you've got the, the right blend of, uh, of everything going on there, John. Now, a couple of days to go till the tournament starts. What does it look like for you as a media manager? Yeah, for me, it's uh, it's actually a, a great problem to have is getting you know a whole lot of media requests, people who want to talk to our players. Uh, you know, we, we usually do see that uh, around around big tournaments, but nothing to this extent. So it really is fantastic, but it, it does keep us busy. It's a, a matter of you know dealing with our our team manager, who's fantastic, Jude Menezes. Uh, he does a very good job for us, um, and it, he is really our our man who looks at the schedule and says, you know, here's where we're free. We might have 10 minutes spare in a day in between meetings and game analysis. And and I think the great thing for from my perspective is it's never hard for me. So because we're a sport who is always looking for coverage, um, we never we never fight that. And um, and our team really does a great job of 
embracing it and and they want to be uh, they want to be in front of people and they want to bring the sport out. Uh, so it's 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 it makes my job a lot easier uh, having that in place. And and for me, it's just preparing for for a huge game on Friday night um, in terms of you know coverage for that, which will supplement the broadcast. So we'll be all across our social media channels, uh, our website, um, Facebook. We'll be um, bringing as much additional content as we can uh, during the entire event. And then for me, afterwards, is is just bringing some of that to life as well. So we'll be grabbing player interviews and, and bringing some colour to the event, that which you might not always get from the broadcast. Uh, so I will be busy, but it's a, it's a great... It's a great sort of busy. Um, we've, like I said, we've never had something like this in New Zealand, and I've been to a few big tournaments, including Olympic Games and Commonwealth Games, but there, there's certainly something special about playing at home. Are you going to get the chance to watch much hockey, John, or are you going to be busy the whole time? <laughs> I'll certainly be watching all of our games, um, and in between that I'll be watching as much as I can um, in, in, in and around wanting to primarily push uh, the messaging from our team, but also the event in general. And the FIH have a, a great team here in New Zealand as well who will be uh, yeah, bringing to life all of the non-New Zealand games and, and flavour as well. So we're looking forward to, as we sort of bring all of that together, what that looks like. It should be, it should be pretty cool. And just before we let you go, John, the question we ask everybody, any predictions? <laughs> Oh, look, I, I'm a little bit biased <laughs> in that sense. So um, I've got to say Vantage Black Sticks. Um, we, we, we do have a good team. Um, we've got some great uh, great young talent coming through, but also some really good experience. You know, you look at the likes of a Stacey Mickelson, who's still only 26 years of age, but has played 238 tests. Um, wow. she, she's outstanding. Um, anyone who's kind of watched her in training or... Uh, in a game, will, I'm sure will attest to that. And you know, she's joined by the likes of um, Sammy Charlton, who's again only 25, has played over 200 games. So there's some real experience uh, in our team, and you know, you balance that up with some of the, the youth as well. We've got an 18-year-old in our team, uh, Madison Dor. So she's a she's a striker up front. She'll be, uh, I guess, really tested uh, in her, in her first major tournament. You know, you 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 pit her against the likes of the Dutch. Um, yeah. She'll be straight into the fire, but she's certainly certainly up for the challenge. Um, and then I guess if you take New Zealand aside, like we spoke about earlier, um, Netherlands are, are just an outstanding team. They're, they're incredible. Um, and I guess you don't become number one in the world for no reason. Um, and they, they really have continued to show that. And they'll be, you know, they'll be, they'll be the favourites here, I'm sure. Um, the, the English over in, in Pool B as well are, are looking fantastic and, and you, you can't go past the Argentinians. Um, you, know, you, you add into the mix the likes of Germany, USA, China and Korea and at a tournament like this, like this, I suppose anything can happen, um, especially when you get into those uh, quarter-final situations. Um, yeah, it, it's going to be really fun to see who makes it through that alive. So that's the first four teams named there as your quarter-finalist, as your yeah. semi-finalist then. <laughs> well, well, let, let's go with that. Let's go with that. We'll make a bold prediction. Yeah, of course, we hold you to these things here at Thermostick. Is there anything like our predictions, John? <laughs> yeah, well, well, lock me in for that, as long as there's no repercussions uh, for me in terms of having to pay anyone money. Uh, we'll, go with, we'll go with that. Now, just on, so if you can remind everybody on social media where they can find you, John. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, sure. We're, uh, we're uh, sorry. I was laugh- still laughing at your. Um, no, you're right. <laughs> so, yeah, so we're um, so we're on quite a few different social channels. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook uh, backslash NZ Blacksticks on there. Uh, we're on Twitter at Blacksticks and also on Instagram as NZ Blacksticks. So those are our three main channels, which will all be extremely active. Uh, well, already. Uh, but especially more so during the event as well. So we've, um, I'm, I'm very lucky in that uh, our, one of our Vantage Blacksticks, who's not playing the, this event due to an injury, uh, Kirsten Pierce is helping me out. So she'll add her um, little insight and flavour throughout all of our social as well. And um, and I'm sure we'll we'll add something very special to anyone watching, no matter where they are in the world. John, it's a it's a mammoth task you guys have taken on, and. We wish you all the, the very best. Uh, we hope it's a, a fantastic tournament and you do get to see a little bit more hockey than you, you think you will. Uh, great yeah. to talk to you this morning and good luck to the Vantage Blacksticks as well. It would be fantastic to see them knock off some of those Europeans. That's what we are hoping. That's what we are hoping. Well, thank you guys very much for, for the time to have a chat. We, we really hope for hope that you guys you know uh, really enjoy the coverage and even though uh, i hate to mention it but even though your your team's not in the <laughs> event, uh, oh we you do really hate that, that enjoy it <laughs> we hope everyone around the world um really enjoys some some real world-class hockey and and what a way to finish off the year yeah we just hope that hockey's the winner <laughs> good call <laughs> great to talk cheers john all the best thank you guys And you are with The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. And that was John Whiting. He's the media manager for Hockey New Zealand. He's over there for the Women's Hockey World League finals. And it was good to have a chat to John and find out a little bit more about what's going on in New Zealand. And I think they're going to put on a great show. I know. He seemed like a super bloke and uh, seemed to eschew all of those warm characteristics that you get from most Kiwis. So, um, yeah, I'm sure everyone that's heading down to Auckland is going to have an absolutely fantastic time. Oh, it'll be brilliant. Next week, uh, fingers crossed, we'll be speaking to somebody on the ground there again. Just waiting for a clearance from the FIH on that one. Just before we move on, uh, we'll go through the pools, those teams again that will be competing across the next few days. Uh, pool A is Korea, the Netherlands, New Zealand and the USA. Pool B is Argentina, China, England and Germany. I think that uh, that second pool is a very strong pool, isn't well, it? Well, it's interesting because we're going to see Jamie Moulders coming up against the German girls there, aren't we? So their former coach um, in the pool games there. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, you got a pick? My pick. It's, yeah, it's got to. It's got to be the Dutch, I think. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think the Netherlands. They're looking very, very sharp and uh, going to be going to be tough to beat. Yeah, unfortunately, I haven't been able to see the Koreans or the China. Chinese women play at the Asia Cup final, so I haven't got any real form line on on that how they're playing at the moment. Mm. Um, but you can see that the Netherlands are gonna it's gonna be a battle for second spot in Pool A. Uh, pool B, I mean, yeah, Argentina, England. You're uh, not gonna want to lose the first game, regardless. And, and I'm not sure who Argentina are drawn with first, but you know, England, England or Germany could do some damage there. Yeah, I think England has been a few girls have uh, sort of stepped away since the last big tournaments, and uh, it's obviously it's not the GB side, so it is the the England side. So there's none of the the Welsh or the Scottish uh, girls in there. Um, yeah, I think you've got to go for Argentina winning that group. You go for the Netherlands winning winning the other group there. 
and uh, we'll see what happens. Oh, I'm going for the New Zealand girls because their flag's very similar to us. I think we've still we've got the full the pool crossover though, haven't we? So one, two, three, four plays against yeah. four, three, two, one, um, other way around. So you're still a chance. You're still a chance. It doesn't matter. Lose lose three games. Uh, yeah. lull, lull the opposition <laughs> opposition into a false sense of security. Um, <laughs> try out a few different things and oh, then. Proven bam, t- when it gets to the big games. Proven tactic at international level, you reckon? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Try something different. I, I think a coach might think that, but you're going to have a hard time talking your players into it. <laughs> <laughs> Very hard time. Yes, yeah, so on hot, hot on the uh, the press today, off the press today, not on the press, off the press. Uh, we got news through from the FIH with regard to a new YouTube deal. Ah, hang on. Are you going to talk about broadcasting? I am. Yeah, feel free. Oh, sorry. Do you want to talk about it? You're going to fade it down? We're just going to play yeah, it, yeah, out? Play it down. I don't know how many seconds we get royalty-free with that. Probably not any. Don't uh, tell the publishers, please. Um, we don't make any money out of this, mate, so we're sweet. <laughs> So, yeah, come after us, boys. Come after yeah, yeah. us. Yeah, 95% of nothing. <laughs> so, yeah, there's been a, it's been tagged as a landmark um, partnership has been struck between YouTube and the FIH. Um, it notes that YouTube are, are the, uh, the world's biggest provider of online video content, providing access to 1.5 billion unique monthly viewers. Um, is there anyone out there that hasn't heard of YouTube? Don't know. So it's basically uh, it's the FIH are looking to offer... Do they have YouTube in China? Uh, they probably have, but they could only watch some stuff yeah. on there. Um, so, yeah, they're looking to offer pay-per-view coverage of events, broadcaster permitting, um, across the globe for the Hockey World League finals for both women and men. Now, this is a, a bit of an interesting one. Some of the wording is quite interesting on the, the release from the FIH. Um, YouTube would work as a primary distribution platform in participating nations' markets where digital consumption has proven to be the primary method, method for consuming sport and as a secondary platform giving fans access to matches not being shown by their local broadcaster. So in the situation that we've moaned about here in the past uh, in Australia where Fox Sports have the rights for the, for the product, for the, for the games and choose not to show everything, um, then you would hope that this system would be available to us. And it is in countries like Argentina that have the Argentinian games um, airing. I'll just get the list up with it. It's, it's a little bit different country by country, but they, the games are, are being listed, um, are listed being viewed being broadcast on ESPN Sur um, but then for the non-Argentinian matches they can watch the those other games on a pay-per-view mo- model on YouTube oh. basically three models there's either the existing model in place where the, the games are available through an existing broadcast partner so in Scotland, Wales and England that would be BT Sport in Australia that would be Fox Sports um, and it's different in, in different countries in India, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Star Sports the YouTube pay-per-view or free model doesn't appear to be available in those countries so you would hope that in those countries and everybody that's got the broadcast deal with an existing partner there that they will get to see all of the games this is this is kind of what it's saying to me here um, the second model is the youtube pay-per-view now that's available to countries where there isn't any broadcast partnership uh, agreement in place 
and then we've got a second sort of leg on that YouTube pay-per-view within some countries, like I said before, in Argentina, um, on the pay-per-view, um, within their current broadcast deal, they can watch a certain set of games, either be the home nation, you know, likely the home nation games, and if they want to watch other games, they have to go through the YouTube pay-per-view model. I think that's the one that sucks the most if you're, if you're paying, uh, for one set of, uh, games yeah. for a broadcaster and then you're having to pay pay-per-view to watch others. Um, interesting to see how that pans out. Um, and then the third area are countries where you can view on YouTube for nothing. So, China, Pakistan, um, geez, there's a whole long list. I'll be, I'll be looking at it and going, right, okay, so in Japan, it's pay-per-view. Um, in Iceland, it's free. Okay. Good luck to the Icelandic. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see the division there, and it'd be interesting to see how it's been just decided that, um, maybe it's just, well, I, L- lower I, level interest countries, they're doing it for free, and no, those that already I, I have a hobby. What's happened is that it, it, you can see there's a, a lot of um, Asian countries have uh, got a, uh, are on a very similar deal. All of the African countries are getting it through SuperSport, so they're laughing. Um, well, they're, no, well, they're laughing if they subscribe to. Oh, SuperSport. yeah, but what what I, what I mean is that okay, essentially, uh, as hockey followers, we can't expect it all this great international hockey to be going for nothing. Okay, there's production costs involved, there's all sorts of costs involved. So essentially at some stage we're going to have to get it through our heads that we do have to pay for the, the current net that we receive. Now, because of the, the global nature of the economy we work in, that might have to only be a small amount of money. It might be $5 a day for an Olympic tournament, say, or it might be $3 to watch a one-off game at a, at a World Cup. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly how the economics for that would work. But we can work it. The more people that watch, the more that cost can come down. Well, this is this is about to be my point there. The more people that watch, the more your costs do come down, and so you actually have an opportunity to sell advertising revenue that's worth something. Now, is right. What I'm going to say now, but is born out of my frustration from trying to watch the International Festival of Hockey at the weekend last weekend, just gone. Now, it started out on the Wednesday, an announcement coming out that games will be shown on Fox Sports. Live. Live. Fantastic. That's great. Don't bother trying to find that post, by the way. I was looking all weekend to try and find it. It's mysteriously So there was was some some good promotion out of the Hockey Roos and the Kookaburras and Hockey Australia saying this is is happening and this is where you can watch the games. Um, Wednesday and Thursday games, they were shown. No dramas at all. At normal time, you could you could watch them in sync live as they as they happened, and uh, no problem whatsoever. Now you standard ex- standard subscription watching it on your TV. Yeah, that's it. And you could also pick it up on the app as a um, on the live TV thing on on their app as well. Now come the weekend, and you look at the schedules and you see where you can see the games. Oh, we get a few more posts from the the relevant organisations there saying games available on Fox Sports. Well, on the Saturday, no, on the Sunday, we've got nothing for the Saturday. No, we've we? got the Australia-Japan we've got game. We've the, the early game. The yeah. ladies game. Yeah. The women's game, Australia-Japan game, early doors. And then nothing was then shown later on in the day on the, on the Saturday um, of the games that had been played. Although we were told they could be viewed on the app. And I'll be honest, I tried accessing the app. Um, it dropped in, it dropped out, I get 30 seconds here and then reload your password and all this sort of rubbish happening and I just couldn't be bothered. I just, it really disappointed me but I didn't have the time 
messing around, reloading things and doing whatever needed to be done with it. So, so I was, you know, frustrated with that. Um, and so were a lot of other people online. There was comments from the likes of, um, Boyan Up Hockey Club down well, in the were, southwest of WA. They were WA. talking about the finals. Well, this, yeah, okay. Well, tell, tell us about the, the Sunday. Well, on the Sunday, the finals, uh, there was a tweet put out, and, uh, sorry, a Facebook page saying, you know, you can watch the finals on Fox Sport. Didn't say live. Didn't say anything about what platforms it was available on. Just said Fox Sport. Well, they were available on Fox Sport. The uh, the women's game was available from 9 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time, and the men's game was available from 10:30 p.m. in replay. Neither of those games appeared live. There was no no news that that was a situation that was happening, and many people had planned to watch those games at the time we told they were going to be happening, yeah. because we're told they were going to be live. Yeah, so Boyan at Hockey Club had said we were hoping to go to the local tavern and everybody get together and watch it on the big screen there, and obviously that couldn't happen for them. They could have all gathered together and looked at the little screen, I guess, on the app. So um, fair enough to um, whoever's looking after the Hockey Roos uh, Twitter account, maybe the Cookabers, likely the same person, um, but they got, in, got back in touch when I asked the question. I heard the games yep. were being shown on delay, and I got a response. It was lovely to get, to, to get a response. And this is one of the big frustrations that we've spoken to you all about and with each other over the past few weeks is that absolute lack of communication when the question's too difficult or it's beyond the parameters of who you're asking to answer it. You just get nothing. <laughs> yeah, but we, you know, and a lot of the frustration we're having isn't with Hockey Australia. It's with the broadcaster. Now, maybe it should be with Hockey Australia because they signed the broadcast deal or something like that, but I'm not going there with it. The broadcaster has the rights to show it, and they're stuffing everybody around with it. On 10.30 p.m. on a Sunday night, yeah. who's watching that? Well, this, this is the, that's the final of the tournament, but that's exactly the point as well. Who is watching that? You're not picking up a casual viewer. Likely, a friend who said, oh, I saw the hockey on the other night. I just finished watching the rugby league and clicked it over, and it was on. Didn't even know it was on. I went, well, you know, they go, do you enjoy it? He said, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said, uh, did you realise it wasn't live? He said, oh, yeah, no, I thought that, that was odd, yeah, oh, yeah. It's not good for kiddies either, in the sense that, you know, we want these things so, on TV so that we can engage, help, you know, part of the engagement is get kids involved so that kids can see it on TV and stuff. And when it happens at 10.30 at night, it's, you know, even hardened hockey fans are looking at that going, oh, I've got to be at work at 7.30, you know, but it all goes back to a big the, weekend. But live experience is live experience, and if and if you can't find it in one place, just like I did this weekend, you'll find it somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. And I was frustrated at not being able to see the IFOH games, um, but I was elated at being able to watch the games from Europe that I watched. And you know, I, I wasn't such a sad chappy on Sunday morning. Sad chappy, <laughs> weren't shedding any man tears then. No, I wasn't shedding any man tears, like, much like yourself. Uh, John, should we uh, get on to socials? Oh, I think we should. There was a little debate that popped up um, just before the weekend um, and it was started off by Anna Flanagan who's been mentioned in the show previously and uh, she was on the road to recovery and back to the hockey ruse within the system there and uh, looking to do well. And then, shock horror, a post came out that uh, her number nine shirt, um, I'm not sure if it was the personal shirt that she owned, but her number nine shirt uh, was given to somebody else to, to play in an international game in the, at the weekend. 
and she hadn't received a phone call about it and was most upset and uh, affronted that there was no communication that had come through from Hockey Australia with it. Now... This actually opens up some bigger questions, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we, yeah let's not go, we won't go through all of it about the numbering and owning your number and all of that sort of stuff uh, today, but that is, is one for the future. Um, that received a fair bit, bit of response from other higher level players and ex-players in the Australian hockey community. Um, John couldn't help but jump in and... Uh, no, no, we're leaving me out of this. ...make comment. I didn't uh, make comment about that. I made comment oh, it was a comment that came off the, off the back of it, yeah, though. so we'd leave that alone. Okay. Well, just suffice to say, somebody out there thinks... It's uh, still there, so you can probably find it. Some, somebody thinks John's a dick. Um, <laughs> oh, look, and, 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 them, mate. and she's, prob- she's probably not the only one. Um Yes, so the, de- the debate raged, the debate, the debate raged on there about, um, say other players, uh, getting involved saying, well, look, you know, the same's happened to Orch and Devo and, and other guys that have recently been ousted from the, I say ousted, it's probably a bit unfair, but uh, who are no longer part of the international, um, program. And hopefully, you know, for some of them, they work hard enough, they, they can get back into it. And that's exactly what I posted. So, well, you know, a number's a number. Um, I said, why is the number important? Geez, they could have 42, um, as in the, the meaning to, of life yeah, in the universe. Yeah, but yeah. well, a couple of players didn't. That ranks and, with Auckland, just Yeah, well, thanks. <laughs> but a couple, a couple of players, one in particular, came back and uh, made comments saying, oh, well, I think the FIH only allow 32 numbers. Uh, and so, obviously, <laughs> obviously, if you get too, too many players involved, then somebody's going to have to have somebody else's number. Um, yeah, I, made the, I then made the Douglas Adams reference back and didn't even get a like on it. So I can't believe I'm too highbrow for hockey players. Uh, it's, it's that level of wit that just flies oh, over the rapier. 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 like. What else happened on the socials? Uh, oh, just quietly, though. We can just mention that, that topic of, um, you know, I, we, we've discussed it. Perhaps traditionally, hockey players haven't been welded to numbers. It hasn't necessarily been important. And if you look at some other sports that wear numbers, like in in football, soccer, you you wear the number of the position you're playing, unless you're a reserve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe I think with hockey, maybe maybe, in, maybe a number nine as a cent- central striker. Yeah, you know, that's right. Uh, but I, I I mean, it'd be interesting. We should ask Terry Walsh because I'm saw so, I saw him playing in different numbers depending on what position he played. For the country, you know, when he was on the left wing, he had a different than when he started. I'm not sure what the, the tradition of that is, but we've discussed the idea that there's a creation of that tradition now because of the the use of social media and hashtags and all this sorts of stuff. Like we mentioned, Simon Orchard, he's Orch three, yeah, because that was his number, yeah. Now, yeah, yeah, well it's I... a new area that we're moving into, a new dynamic of in our sport of players being attached to numbers. Yeah, and I think it, it's something which has been driven by marketing from the organisations to try and build the brand identity of the individual players and having that number attached to your nickname or the shortening of your name um, gives you that authenticity and it shows that you know this is you're not just a one game player this is you've earned this number and this is going to be yours for a while here. Yeah, um, and now we're facing with this this crossover between reality and marketing. Well, this is it. And reality is that as a professional sports person, 
Mate, you're only one selection meeting away from not playing, not having that number. Well, this is where it all gets mixed up, isn't it? it? Does. There's, there's a perceived ownership of a number there when, yeah, the reality is you might not be playing the next game, you might not even finish the game you're playing and that could be the end of your international career or club career or what, whatever it might be. So it's nice to have a favourite number. I think I had one when I was six. Yeah, it's, it's just it's something that you know they're going to have to have discussions about, you know. And players are going to have to buy into certain things, and administrators are going to have to buy into them as well. Yeah. And look, if you're part of the system and uh, you've taken advantage of it, then don't be upset when it goes the other way and isn't quite working in your favour. You know, toughen up. I've got a signed Anna Flanagan shirt. Might be worth a lot of money now. It's got a number one on the back. <laughs> Ah, this is the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. A um, couple of little bits of housekeeping. Uh, what else? Would, uh, I did note that Roland Altmund is still in India and he's oh, doing he? some coaching with one of the regions there, so hasn't left the country and his, his skills are being employed at a more provincial uh, uh, level there with getting a new system set up. So, great. Roland's obviously enjoyed oh. his time out there and uh, not too sad to go. Well, we obviously misinterpreted that photo. That was Roland's happy face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what Charles else? Bronson's going on there. Yeah, we've been getting involved with a few bits and pieces on on Twitter over the the week. Uh, a little comment from oh, it was nice to be tagged in from FH jumpers umpires from Keeley with regard to uh, a young Dutch lad umpiring there. I think he was uh, yeah 11 years old, doing a great job. Are um, you mentioning that to wind me up because of my, <laughs> my no, think, umpires? Around. As you know, I think it's very important to start umpiring at it an is. early age, John. Oh, okay. um, That's another podcast. But well, it's going to be coming up with our podcast uh, oh, play on with Keely soon, which we'll, we'll be recording shortly. Uh, what else? What else? What else did I want to mention? Oh, Dream Team, we're edging closer to getting that launch, guys. Keep an eye on our Facebook and on our Twitter forward slash the reverse stick. Um, that's uh, yeah, all taking shape. We've just got to wait for all of the squads to be announced to be able to give the player values and all of that. So we might have a mad rush of about a week uh, for you to get your entries into that, but please keep it in mind and talk to your club mates about it as you're going around and say this is coming up. It's going to be a great thing and uh, some chance to win some great prizes from Atlas Hockey. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to uh, letting you know what all that, all that gear is on, on social media over the next week. Excellent. Anything else? I think that's about it for this week, John. Keep your eyes open for the Sentinel Homes Women's Hockey World League Finals this weekend. Catch as many games as you can. I'm sure it will be an absolutely cracking tournament. Looking forward to it. Fingers crossed. That's right. And, you know, get on the socials, like and subscribe. Give us a review on iTunes. We could really do with the reviews and a few five stars. Heck, you know, give us some four stars. We don't really care, but just get the ratings up in your country. Absolutely. Thanks for your company. Cheers, John. We'll see you next week, guys. Bye.